Welcome to the season finale of the Pocket Network podcast. Can you believe it? We've had 15 episodes already. I hope you guys enjoyed each episode as much as we enjoyed creating them for you. We've had such amazing guests. We've had people that have been lifelong friends for us. And we have people who we just met on the podcast and we made such a great connection with them. Genuine people really working hard to do more and make a difference in the industry. I hope you guys have felt the impact of each of these guests. Uh, I feel like I personally just sitting here have learned so much from everyone. Uh, I go home and I rave about each of the guests to my family. I hope you guys have taken not just their advice, but applied it to your actual career. We would love to hear if any of you have applied any of this advice and uh, if it's worked, if it worked out for you, message us. Or even if it hasn't worked out for you, let us know. Maybe we can help you guys out. We're all, all, all the co-founders of the Pocket Network are on social media and we are here to help you in any way that we possibly can. That that is the entire purpose and the mission of the pocketnetwork.com. So um, let's jump right into what we're doing today. It's going to be a little bit different. As you can tell, I'm sitting here all by myself. I don't have a guest with me today. So I will be inviting Gevork Najarian, who's the co-founder of the pocketnetwork.com. Not just the co-founder, but he's also our producer. He's our sound engineer and so much more. Gevork, join me. We're finally going to get you on camera. <laughs> Hi, Marks. Hello. How does it Hello. feel to be on the other side? Oh my God, it feels so weird. But it's so yeah. legit. Because Our set is amazing. When, when, I'm, when I'm back there, I see everything and now I can't see anything. You still see everything. <laughs> yeah, this, what, a, what a season, huh? Right. 15 weeks went by like that. And Literally. It's really, really um, interesting how and our journey just uh, with the podcast and how much we've learned how much about we've real learned. estate. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about real estate. And I think right right off the bat when we started with season one, episode one with Ed, Ed, Ed and his journey and what he did, he wasn't in real estate until like COVID. And then suddenly he started being interested in real estate and got his license and started doing sales and all that stuff. And it was very interesting how much correlation all of our guests have had regardless of uh, what they are, either a real estate agent, broker, um, doing mortgages, you yeah. know, all, all that stuff. So we had lawyers on here. We had graphic designers on Photographers. Here, photographers <laughs> on here. Ice cream. Remember that right. episode? That was a good episode. <laughs> gelato, not yeah, ice cream. Oh, gelato. Sorry. Come on, get it right. Sorry, yeah. But yeah, I think I think we had this wide spectrum of guests that were on, on uh, the Pocket Network podcast. And the, the beauty that I got from it, because, you know, like when, when we're done with the, each episode, we don't just stop there. We watch it multiple times yeah. going through uh, multiple rounds yeah, of editing more, we, during editing, during post-production. So like I'm listening to like each podcast four or five times yeah. before it actually airs. So um, and what I saw is is just the humanity of everybody. You know, everyone's still human. You know, regardless what your title is, regardless how successful you are, regardless how uh, from from uh, how much experience you have, it's all where about you've come from. Where you've come from. It's all about helping people. Yeah, and and it's something that anybody can apply, regardless of they're in the industry or they're not in the industry. It helps everybody. Like. For example, one of the main takeaways I've had with people that, that were like so mature in, into their career is how they balance work and family. Yes. You know, so important. And, and so many of our guests talked about that and how important it is that they make enough time to be with their family, but they also make enough time to fully support their customers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for myself personally, I've made an effort to ask those questions to each of our guests to see how do they do this? Is it truly a balance or is it one day uh, family matters Weigh, weigh a little heavier and one day career weighs a little heavier because my entire life I've heard people telling me whether it is um, like you're making a mistake looking uh, studying too much uh, looking too much into the future about your career not family mm -hmm. and then you meet these amazing people who mm -hmm. have done both of those and they have really succeeded in both aspects yeah. they're amazing moms they're amazing dads they're amazing partners and yet their career has not suffered because of that Absolutely. I completely agree with you. You start with your meager beginnings, you know, um, you start making your, your way up 
uh, the ladder and eventually you get to where you are. The pro- the the main goal is not to give up. And, yeah. and a lot of our guests that were here said that, that the consistency. consistency at its finest, you need to be consistent in everything that you do. Yeah. And not give up. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the guests, like you you said, um, it's not just about not giving up. They've all given very similar advice. They may have may do completely different things professionally. They may come from completely different backgrounds, whether it's uh, working for the tech industry, whether it's working for aerospace, whether it was just uh, small jobs on and off, left and right, whatever it was. One of the things that I've noticed is everyone says that they attribute a lot of their success back to their roots where they started as a child. So we had, um, for example, Artin Falahi, who had such a pro- uh, an impressive professional history, but when you ask him about it, he says, well, looking back at what I did when I, I was a teenager, I think that helped build who I am as a professional Absolutely. today more. Yes. And the same with, uh, with Zarik Borosian. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a PhD mm-hmm. and he could, he could uh, attribute his, this, uh, his success to the endless amount of studying. He can attribute his success to so many things. But one of the things that he made an effort to point out is in the beginning, how he started the small jobs left and right, the, the working long hours. That's who, uh, what built him into the person, the professional that he is today. And not just about uh, about the, the beginnings. Another thing, most important, where I think we would all agree, every one of our guests has talked about how important honesty and transparency is in their career. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, and, and the beauty of some of these episodes that we've uh, produced and aired, they're not one-time listens. Yes. You can listen to it multiple times. And every single time you listen to each of them, you learn something new. Yeah. You catch on to something else. You know, uh, I'm speaking to somebody who's listened to most pod, uh, all our podcasts multiple times. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't catch that the first yeah. time. I didn't catch that the second time. And that was that was uh, some of the takeaways that I took was uh, how uh, professional all our guests were. And I think I think it'll be great if we go ahead and just recap some of our uh, yes. some of our episodes that we've had. We've uh, prepared some clips from you from all our guests throughout these 15 episodes and uh, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at them now and come back yes enjoy these snippets real estate it's very general and broad at the same time because um you know you can you can be just the agent and then grow yourself to be a broker and and, you know build a team and do great sales you know don't get me wrong it's a very great opportunity for for anybody to do uh, you know make very well income in that and and do that for a very long time but also there's so much more behind it fell in love about the whole real estate process after uh, reading um rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki and i'm sure so many other agents and and investors can say the same because that book really opens your opens your uh, mind up and opens your eyes the seller's agent wanted to make their life easier and not have to deal with you know someone that they didn't know they didn't know how they work they didn't know which escrow company they would choose they didn't know if they would follow through with the escrow process they didn't know how quickly they would submit paperwork so they were taking a step back and making their life easier it just uh, as a newer agent you you there is a lot of information coming in and you need to sort of filter out what you what you can use what you can do what you can't do what you shouldn't do mm-hmm. what you think you should do right all of these stuff you filter it out and and you try stuff you try one thing okay it doesn't work you try another thing all right that doesn't work you you, you flip your script you know you do this you do that so it's all about trying different stuff to learn what can you do to create these lifelong relationships yeah so i personally i'm very blunt i'm very honest no beating around the bush for me no matter what, if I have bad news to give you, I will give it. Because one thing I've learned in my industry is no news is always worse than bad news, no yeah. matter what. Because if you don't hear from someone, they will get like 20 different ideas in their head. If anyone is trying to get in the industry, that would be my word of advice is just try to be, you know, have good communication with yeah. people because like you don't know how far that goes, but it yes. truly does, you know, yeah. answering a text answering a phone call. I have OCD, right? It sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying, uh, what it takes to be a good loan officer. It's not just making your business very, very personal, your mm-hmm. relationship with the client very personal, but finding that right network, access to the right information yeah, to succeed. For sure, for sure. Experience and knowledge, you know, is power. There definitely is something to be said about making that personal connection mm-hmm. where you 
who's the president of Wells Fargo, who's the head of the loans department. Right. You're not very close with them. Probably not everyone None. working there is. But then versus at your brokerage, oh, yeah, it's your dad's my, friend, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, and my, everyone knows my boss. Yeah. So know, it's so more personal. It's like the company is not just a company you're going to right, for a paycheck. Right. Yeah. And I think that also definitely goes into your work culture and just the clients would definitely see that firsthand for with sure. working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Throughout your career, you're going to go through phases and and whatnot. And, and, and so even if you've been an industry veteran for a very long time, you know, you may find yourself where you hit a glass ceiling and you need a bit of guidance. You need a bit of inspiration. You need to kind of get out of that. The key word in real estate is consistency. Yes. And in order to sustain that consistency, you really have to believe in what you're doing and you have to have that big why. So we really look at, you know, like, why are you in it? You know, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and achieve? Is this a means to an end? Or, you know, so really diving into that and looking at that. Because once we can, you know, connect them to their inspiration, to their purpose, um, then everything kind of then starts to flow, right? It's much easier to um, extract the systems needed to create that consistency and that success over time. Um, it, it, it allows the agent to really tap into that sustainability. Yeah. And that's, that's, you can't get that anywhere else. That's something you have to connect with within yourself. Tell me what you do Monday you know, through Friday to you know, get the success that you're looking for. And it's, it's simple habits, right? Like yeah. when, you, when, you, when you really look at you know, really successful people, they have adopted habits that they, the rituals that you do day in and day out. Um, and so um, getting to that discipline, yes, for a lot of people is, it's, that in and of itself is the journey. Of course. Right. And uh, like you said, not just habits, but what makes you happy during the week? Because I feel like burnout is so glorified nowadays. doesn't matter what industry you look at. Oh, I'm, I'm going to college at 12 units, 18 units, plus a 40-hour-a-week job. Great. And if you have to do that, I'm so proud of you. But let's not glorify that. Let's yeah. look at what we could do to help ourselves, what makes you happy. It's not... Uh, one week vacation per month, right? It's just small things, like you said, habits during the, the day. For example, iced coffee. That, that can make me smile, right? right? So if that's what it takes, every morning, get up, don't get lazy, make yourself a really nice cup of iced coffee, whether you need to pray, whether you need to meditate, whatever it is that really makes you centered, that makes you inspired and just more positive. Because if you have a mindset in the morning, I'm not going to make it. If you have that mindset, you think you already that's yeah. it. Yeah, and First I'm really, step. yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, for me, in my own experience, um, I did get to a point, I mean, I've been in real estate for close to 20 years, so I did get to a point where, you know, I did feel very unmotivated and just like, oh my God, is this it? Am I just, you know? And so I began to really look at myself and what I was doing. And I really had to go back and like, look at that big why. Yes. Um, one of the things that I implemented in my own uh, life was, you know, my morning routine. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, um, whether you're in real estate or any type of business, you know, the first hour that you rise, that you dedicate to just yourself, like you said, whatever it is, be it a coffee, be it praying, meditation, you know, yoga, whatever. But if you spend that one hour nurturing yourself, it makes a whole lot of difference throughout the day. You're just in a better mood. Things just happen. And if something does happen that's unexpected, you know, that may not be the best thing, you know, you're not, you know, harping on that thing. You're, of course. You're, you're, you realize it, you see it, and you're like, okay, let's, let's keep moving forward, as opposed to staying stuck in that and taking that from experience to experience throughout your day. Of so, course. You know, that, that definitely. So I do talk to um, my agents about that. I think mindset is huge. Yeah. I think, you know, um, with, most, uh, with most agents, you know, they're, the way that they run this, their own business is very telling of their own habits. In self-reflection, herein lies the truth. Right. And a lot of us, you know, at many times shy away from that. It's, yeah. it's much easier because 
you know, when you then decide to look at it for what it really is, then then it requires change. Yes. And, and, and so and so this is where so for me, I've been uh, very fortunate enough, um, you know, that I've people know that, you know, hear the, the type of um, training and coaching that I do. Um, and so for the most part, you know, most already I do get, you know, I've gotten agents who are not ready to, you know, look at their habits and look at what they're doing and, and, and how they can shift those things to um to show up in real estate, you know, in such a way that would be so positively beneficial. But it's weird, right? Because we we see it. We see that if we were to do X, Y, and Z, we can be here. But it's that, you know, it's it's having the intellectual knowledge of it, but not being able to match it with your with your actions. Yeah. And do you think that, um, do you think that comes from fear or is it more like ego and I'm good where I am? I've done the work. It's, I think it, you know, it really depends on the individual. Um, and so, I mean, it could be a whole lot of things really and truly because habits, you know, we, we pick those up over the years and depending on the age, depending on the life experience, you know, you can, you know, be walking around with limited beliefs and things about, you know, things about the industry or things about yourself, I think, you know, um, and I see this most often when I'm working with agents and, you know, we, we touch on the topic of social media. You know, social media is now a huge thing in our industry. If you're not visibly out there, then are you really out there? Yeah. Is kind of the thing, right? And so and so this becomes such a major roadblock to a lot of agents because for a lot of them triggers insecurity, not, you know, like, am I good enough? You know, yeah. what are they going to say? What are they going to do? So they end up putting this pillar of thought before they go into anything and so all of a sudden this pillar of thought is right in front of them they get what is it analysis paralysis they've overthought you know the post the video or you know how they want to show up and then it never gets done and so when you start seeing you know that that type of behavior and what their fallback is and you can see that you know kind of throughout you know, in, in their business and possibly even personally. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, you have to uh, practice a, a bit of tough love with the agents and say, hey, look, this is what I see. And, you know, I really think you're great and, you know, really pull them out of that. Um, and, and for a lot, they just need that support and reassurance. Like, you're going to be great. We all start off that way. Like for most social media content creators, when you look at their you know, first oh, yeah. post and Compare first it. videos, right? Yeah. You're like, oh my God. But you see the natural progression of how they get better and, and the video quality, the, you know, the tools. You yeah, know. just the comfortable, uh, comfortability of the person behind the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's what real estate is, really and truly. It's like feeling all of those feelings of insecurity, especially when you're a newer agent, feeling all those things and just saying, I'm still going to do it. Exactly. If you don't try, you'll never know. And right now with how fast paced the world is, not just social media, even if you somehow embarrass yourself, which highly unlikely if it's in a professional setting, if you do embarrass yourself, it moves forward so quickly within the next 24 hours there will be millions of other posts and <laughs> yes. people will forget you and can bury your own posts exactly yeah, yeah delete it. it and I know nothing is technically really deleted but if it's just something where you don't like the way you look you don't like the way you sound you didn't sound like you had the facts it's not a big deal and at the end of the day most people especially in the industry um, especially when you're speaking to a mentor they're there for your growth yeah. and you just have to accept that especially like let's say if someone's meeting with you I can just imagine if they're sitting there trying to be, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Perfect and trying to present their best self, that's great. But the point of the mentor is you lay it out and like you said, be honest with yourself and that goes back to transparency. The business model for a lot of companies, why does it work? Because it works, right? And it's not just the business model for for companies, right? So if you are transparent with yourself, the self-growth, it will show. People will see it. It's not just it won't just be reflected in your uh, your business, but your own personal life, how great you feel, like you're, you feel like you're standing on your own two feet. You learn to solely love yourself. What do you guys focus on marketing wise uh, for your company, if anything at all? 
Yeah, uh, six, seven years, we've gotten really good at finding deals off market, right? How to go to the consumer direct, how to create funnels to get them signed up and eventually sell us their house. Yes. So just being first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think once uh, you guys start looking more into the pocket network, our actual site, that's one thing that I think you guys would benefit from just because we will have off market listings. And um, obviously you guys will be one of our first users. So uh, first you will be first there, snatch it up, right? Make some great deals on the pocket network, hopefully. Absolutely. So uh, as investors, right? You look for those off-market deals, pocket listings. So this could be definitely a great uh, partnership with uh, with your company. I would say the key is to have, and we we teach this at our workshops, as many fishing poles in the water. You know, this marketing, that marketing. Try, try, try. If you just stick with one direction, even if it's working for you, you're limiting yourself. Obviously, and we all know that, but. If you get great at one and establish that and then build on that as you go, so you've got, say, an Instagram following and then you carry that over to other platforms and you're genuine and you're real and you're, con you're consistent and continual in what you're providing content-wise, people naturally flock to that. And when yeah. people naturally flock to that, then business comes from that. The way I start my day, day is similar to what you said, right? You wake up with gra gratitude, right? What are you grateful for? I give my kind of gratitude, like mental check. Okay, I'm grateful for my family. I have health. You know, I have shelter, I have food. You know, the basic stuff. Everything outside of the basic stuff is just extra. Um, so every day I do the, my gratitude, thank, like list, and then go out because I then go out through the day because I know there's going to be situations where God is going to bring people in my life at that time. And I'll tell you what, I'll, I go see clients. And I always tell them, I'm like, I'm here to solve a solution, right? I'm here to really solve a solution. Whether you sell it to me or not, I want to find you a solution. And then they kind of, their guards come down and we start talking. And I've had clients where we prayed for them. We cried together. We laughed together. You know, if I may edify Sergio, when you have a team of professionals and you add more professionals to that mix that are like-minded, it changes things for you. It might not necessarily speed up processes, but it makes them so you're doing work more correctly. Like, okay. Because Sergio has so much background, he's a broker, he's done construction work, he's a pilot. I mean, there's basically nothing this guy does. So you can do. fly your house directly to the owner. <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> so when you have difficult situations, like case in point today, we were looking at a property and we thought we saw a deal. But he showed us three or four different things that we would have never even thought of. And that's just from his 21 plus years of experience. Hey, by the way, it's not going to hit the value you think it's going to hit because it might have a septic tank problem. And if it does, okay. it could be a twenty to $100,000 charge. What business owners can ask, I guess, the important, what will be important for small business owners to create a relationship with their bank? Okay. either banker or bank or however you know you want to call it just create a relationship and uh, i guess when you're having it's good to have like you have a doctor you go for checking you know for checkup every six months once a year hopefully yeah and then same thing here i guess it's good to have a banker personal banker business banker just you know to be up to date on all the services and products banks provide if you are interested in the future at some point to get a loan, being upfront, asking what are the requirements, what they, what will make them bankable to have yeah. like to be able to get a loan in the future. Maybe you don't need, you, maybe you're opening your business today, but you will need a loan in five years from now. And it will be too late if you'll be asking at you know year five, what do I need to get a loan? Of course. So if you want to be more proactive, talk to your bankers, you know, create the relationship find out about all the updates and, uh, you know, uh, services and products that, you know, bank has to offer. They recognize talent, not just that, but diversity. That's something really big that huge corporations, they know that a lot of small businesses, they might not have found, um, that's like the jackpot, right? So if you have diversity, if you have people that got education in another country that have seen how structure is in another country, compare it, whether it's, hey, let me bring a little bit of this into the U.S. because maybe this works great in Armenia 
Virginia or seeing something that doesn't work that great and being able to point out this is a huge advancement where we're way ahead of the curve here. Let's focus on this and uh, let's work harder on what we're doing better, right? So the diversity is a huge aspect and I think that really shows in your career that the people that uh, surrounded you, they really recognize that in you and of course the hardworking aspect. Um, when I think about some of my closest friends who I really respect, who have who had really good standing in their profession, a lot of people, they made a huge change in their career and also in their personal lives during COVID. So that's another thing. When you look at people that are just strong and they emit confidence and um, they really know how to sit back and evaluate not just their life, but what they're doing and what they're willing to receive, a lot of these people, um, I, I look at them to see what they did to adjust to innovate during this time. And a lot of these people had career changes. That was one interesting thing, yes. where when they had time to sit back and really think about it, I know someone um, who was a nurse and decided to get a master's degree in something completely different and ch just transform what they're doing with their lives. And um, I think that's also something to be said about those people. Just like a business, what did you do when you were under pressure? Did you just yes. try to wait it out like a lot of other people? Yes. Or did you try to pick up whether it's innovate what you're already doing to see how you can translate that to success or just change things around? If that's not working, that's fine. But what do I do next? Change is not always a scary or a bad thing, right? So it doesn't have to be something dramatic in the economy. It doesn't have to be something um, like COVID to change what you're doing in your business. Even if you're doing really, really well, you have to be ahead of the curve. Try to see um, whether you're looking at forecasts in the market or whether you're looking at how your clients are changing what they require and be that change that, that you start the change and people will flood to you and you'll see the success in your business. Sure, what you're doing is working, but change is a good thing. What um, You might be showing the customer something that they never thought of or they never thought they needed and all of a sudden uh, you're the new trendsetter, right? So who's going to be more successful? You're going to reap the benefits of that in the beginning until everyone else lines up behind you and copies what you're doing. So whether it's COVID or not, I think every year everyone should get together, even if it's in a family, have a family meeting and say, what can we do next year to be happier, to be more successful as a unit? There was a vice president in the company that I looked uh, up to, right? Because he, had, he was Armenian, he was in the same industry which uh, were, were a very small minority, right? Just yeah. being Middle Eastern or anything in, in aerospace defense industries. Uh, you're a minority to begin with. So I always looked up to him because I figured, okay, he looks like me. He, he, you know, he has the same background. He did the same uh, technical uh, education. He had the same technical education. And I looked up to him and he made, he climbed the corporate ladder and he made it to the vice president and he had a very high paying you know, position. Do you consider yourself someone that educates, whether it's realtors or home buyers, or do you see it more as a sales job? Yeah, so I, I tell my, uh, because at this point we have about 12 loan officers, right, yeah. that we constantly coach and try to educate as well. Um, and the first thing I tell them is, do not try to be a loan officer, be a consultant, right? So I have clients that I haven't done a loan for for three years. For example, they bought a house three years ago, but anything financial that comes up in their life, whether it's a business decision, whether they're getting a divorce, whether they want to purchase a business, they'll call me and they want my opinion. And to me, that is worth more than any loan they'll call me for because yeah. once you have their trust and you have, and you have enough knowledge for your clients to rely on you, the loans will come. So that, that's the easy part. The, the business will come. And you have such a diverse background, especially for the real estate industry. So um, did you pick up things here and there from your corporate jobs that you, you have applied to become a very successful top producing a, uh, loan officer? Absolutely. Uh, so every everything you do in life, uh, you, you, you add to your manual, right? So from every experience, whether it's family, friends, a job, um, I always tell people I've, I've worked at major corporations, but I actually learned more from my beginning jobs when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, uh, dealing with average person uh, at, a, at a sales job I had, at a retail job that I had. Or, uh, for example, I worked as a wedding photographer, I worked uh, as a salesperson, I worked at a bookstore. So those uh, diverse positions I held, I learned a lot more than having a, 
uh, formal title at a corporation. I would say number one in on- is honesty. Okay. Everything else, you can be a genius uh, loan officer or a realtor. You can know everything. You can have every loan product and you can have the best rates. Yeah. But if you're not honest, uh, that sticks tends to stick with people. And after, yes, you may do well in the beginning, but eventually it catches up with you. So you need to learn how to say no to people, right? Don't take on every transaction because you're trying to just do one more transaction. Uh, there are a lot of times where if I'm uncomfortable with the transaction or I know it's not doable, um, you know, dragging the realtor, the buyers, the sellers through uh, a mess of a month or two months of an escrow that you know you can't close, yeah. it's not it's not beneficial to anybody, and especially to yourself. So uh, honesty is one thing that I have uh, clients that have turned them away or referred them elsewhere with no financial gain to m- myself. It's Especially cool. in today's digital age. Yes. Yeah, whenever I apply to any jobs, I immediately after I submit the application, I find who the hiring person is and I'll write them a handwritten letter and I'll send it. And another thing that I do is I spray my favorite perfume in there just so when they oh, open it, they smell awesome. me. Yeah, if they ever smell that again, they know they should have hired me. <laughs> yeah. What if Yeah. the mailman has a skunk Spray him while he's taking your letter. Well, damn then. <laughs> I guess they will just think of either skunk or weed when they open up my letter. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be memorable still. I'm sorry. Yeah. I make myself laugh a lot. Yeah. I don't know. From For We're now, like, if I ever want a job change, which I don't see happening in the yeah. future, I will definitely just also email the recruiting person and say, what did my letter smell like? Hopefully not skunk. <laughs> yeah. It's easier for them to give you advice on how to do something versus them giving you their business. And I'll tell you how, like, hey, hi, excuse me, is Mr. John in? Let's say he's the broker, right? Okay. Oh, he's not. Who's asking? It's their job to, like, get rid of you. Yeah. But then I started calling people and I was like, hey, I'm really starting you. I know you're busy. I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm trying to reach out to, like, other brokers. What's the best way of doing it? And they would give me the best advice. That's pretty cool. It is the best thing. Like, because like when somebody asks you something, like you're like, whoa, like, like where'd you come from? It yeah. takes so much. You're it's like, easier to be rude if they're just demanding something like, from bye, you. Bye, bye. Yeah. And I would say, like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, you yeah. help me they're out. They're trying to help <clears throat> someone who's just starting out, exactly. wants advice, and they can give their advice for free. It won't hurt the person they're working for. 100%. But in reality, they're arming you with what you could do to get yeah. business. Because this way, it's a win-win. They get rid of you, and you get knowledge. One of the things I despise to do is like uh, give excuses. Yeah. I cannot stand myself. I get mad at myself for giving it, even though it could be like the right one. Yeah. Like, Even though it might be a reason, not yeah. an excuse. Like the, just the yeah. other day, some guy bumped into me. Like I had it on dash cam. He bumped into me like straight up, you know, just like a big yeah. fat scratch on my bumper. And like, I still like let him go home. Like, dude, whatever. I'm late. Cause I was late to my client. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to give them It was my first time working with the yeah. new real agent. I was like, I can't. My That's wife fine. and I went to Italy Yeah. and you know, ice cream. Yeah. So we went to this place. They ice cream like, or gelato? Gelato. Okay. This place had 150 flavors. Oh, wow. I cursed them in my head for <laughs> doing something like that to poor tourists like yeah. my wife and I. How but many did you try? Here's the thing. You can't try. Watch this. This is so genius. This is what I'm yeah. saying. First, you walk into the register. Yeah. You pay for how many scoops. Okay. Then, once you have that receipt that you paid, yeah. you may get some samples. Okay. It's freaking yeah, genius. Yeah, because some people will just walk in and get full-off samples. Yes. Especially so kind of like 150 flavors. Kind of like saying exactly what you just yeah. indicated. Once you that person pays, you yeah. know they're serious. Ordered my personalized signboard, you know, and it was shipped to me, and I got it. And I was kind of looking at it, and I was thinking, all right, I want to be able to, like, you know, differentiate myself in, in the marketplace, you know, and I want to be able to like have my listings stand out when, when I do get that first listing, which I didn't have yet at the time. But so that was kind of when the conversation initiated and, and we just thought to ourselves, you know, what can we do to the real estate for sale signage that I put in front of my listings to make my listings stand out, to make me stand out as an agent. 
Okay. That's, that's really like how it, that's how the spark started. Yeah. That's amazing. So it was all just part of your own business plan, but then I'm sure you realized pretty quickly what you had. It's, it's something very different, something that can totally, like I said, revolutionize a simple sign. Who would have ever thought it, it needs to be fixed? People say it's simple. If it works, leave it alone. Another feature that, that we haven't touched on yet is that it, it lights up from within from within side. Oh, wow. And so we, we actually do have a solar panel on top of it and a light fixture inside. And so as the sun sets and then, you know, it becomes darker, all of a sudden the pictures illuminate and they look really sharp, you know, they really glow. And they also illuminate the, the signboard below, thus kind of bringing more attention to the real estate agent and also yeah. you know, expanding the hours that people are looking at the real estate. So one day, one of our customers decided to post, un, unbeknownst to us, in a Facebook group that had I don't know, a bazillion uh, members. And I remember waking up and looking at my phone and the number of orders that came in was like way too many. Like we certainly couldn't handle it. And not only that, they were all over the place. Wow. So, you know, so we got, a, we got an order for a sign installation like in Florida. And we're like, oh, we had to write back to them and say, I'm so sorry, but we, we don't currently install signs yeah. in Florida. You know, but we wondered where all this came from, so we had to search and find the the, the, the origin. Files. Yeah, and then we found this Facebook post, and man, it had just a trillion likes. And yeah. you know, some, it was just one of our local agents that we installed her sign, and she said, "You know, love my new sign, spin, spins and lights up." You know, and just comments and so many phone calls. Um, it was just absolutely yeah. I was awful. going to real estate agents really value. I think like a one-on-one face-to-face meeting with another individual. So that was something that I, I kept in mind because, you know, I was maybe sending emails out just locally to, to people that I knew names that I recognized, you know, um, and wasn't getting very much response at all. And so I started with like the guerrilla marketing technique where I was going into the office, you know, trying to get past the, the front desk and make it to, you know, maybe the, the head broker, you know, designated yeah. broker for a, um, for brokerage. And that was fairly successful. Um, like again, Zach mentioned that Brokers Hub here in Phoenix are one of our largest clients and they're so great. And I met um, the designated broker, Nicholas Yale, there just by going into the office and meeting him. And, you know, sometimes just forming those relationships and having someone meet you and get to know you they they become more interested in the product that's a lot of what we offer as well it's it's a very fine line when you're when you're working with a client to make sure that they're getting what they want but at the same time like you just mentioned uh, they're hiring you as a professional so uh, you're expected to understand and advise in certain scenarios so there's there's a lot of instances where a design team will be working with clients and you know the clients want to push a certain idea forward and and we respect that completely but at the same time as a professional, you understand that maybe, like you just said, that maybe that's not the best decision. And so, you know, you kind of steer them in the right direction. And, and we take pride in that because that, that's exactly why they come, they come over to us and, and, and get help from us in the first place. The traditional real estate approach is going to be, I think, uh, less and less popular moving forward. And it's going to be based on, of course, having the help of technology to assist you in that entire process. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, I agree. So um, if you look at the way the real estate industry was in the past, there they were definitely, um, it was a social career, basically. So if you are not great at socializing, you probably won't attract as many clients. It might be just uh, word by mouth, uh, word uh, uh, referral. It might be just family members. But if you're not the person that puts yourself out there, that approaches the client yourself and is able to hold the conversation, to put the imagery in their mind of um, you living in this home, what it's going to look like, you probably wouldn't be successful. But now with technology, there's people who might not excel in that area. They might, might just have a love for that their job, the industry. They might have a love for the numbers, whatever it is with technology it becomes easier for those people to be successful yeah that's 100 percent right earlier a one-stop shop where you're going to be able to come in and, and we kind of hold your hands through the entire process and we also take a lot of pride in um doing everything and planning essentially planning is is one of the most integral parts of this entire process we 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 want to make sure before we even break ground before we even demolish your old house um we have almost the entire design already laid out in front of you. You will receive a design book in addition, of course, to renderings and your plans that kind of outline 
everything that you're going to be getting throughout that entire process. So by the time we demolish your house, you have, uh, I want to say, I don't say 100%, but a, a close to 90% idea of exactly every finish you're going to get and, and exactly what steps we're going to take throughout the construction too. So um, the, in our studio approach too, when you lo look at a lot of local builders, uh, you, you don't have too many where they offer you that, that place to come in and, and, oh, yeah. and touch and feel and speak about that. So uh, we're very excited that that's going to offer a, a, us a very uh, distinct competitive advantage and, and really set us apart and, and put us on the upper echelon of the of the companies that we're trying to target and of course uh, join them at that next level. So again, we, we, we take that approach of if we had this issue come up once, and remember, this is what we do on a daily basis, right? We're going to do this 50,000 more times and as a result, you don't want to repeat that same issue each and every time. So we figure out the source of that problem. What is it? Was it a term that we missed on our contract? Was it a measurement that we missed in our architectural details? Uh, was it a negotiating tactic we should have switched? We take that, we fix that, we address it with the people that are, it applies to, and then the next time, and the next time, and the next time, it's gonna get better and better. And, and by doing this constantly, we're constantly filtering out and improving the business and, 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 and the processes that we work with as well. So yeah. it's, an exciting, yeah. uh, it's an exciting thing, definitely. The relationship between a real estate agent and an interior designer, um, and I, I believe that's so true. And that's the main reason why I keep my podcast going, because I think we need to keep both of those fields together. There's this both of those fields touch um, in so many ways. And I find so many real estate agents going into interior design and interior design going to real estate just because they're so close. Um, and we could help more people knowing both sides. Yeah, I think the two professions are definitely directly proportional because depending on how well your interior designer does, imagery is everything when selling a house. If a okay. client can imagine their life in each room, then if, if the interior designer successfully has painted that picture for them, then the real estate agent will be successful in not only getting an offer, but an offer that um, can be over the value that you expect it to get. Absolutely. It's all about collaboration. Technically, if you have, as an interior designer, if you have connections, you could possibly get, let's say, someone to put in cabinets at a, at a slightly discounted price as than if I were to uh, just hire them as a one-time thing to do my kitchen. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, that's definitely correct. Okay, so then now applying all of those discounts, basically paying your interior designer does not come out to be that much more expensive than if you were to do this on your own. Not to mention they're managing everything. So you're saving a lot of time. Now count in how much money do you make hourly, the hours and the stress that you're going to save. It's actually much, much cheaper to hire an interior designer once you count all of that in. Oh, 100%. And you t if you tell them, like if you tell an a good interior designer, that's not going to take advantage of you. That comes with every profession. There's going to be someone that's going to take, there's a bad egg everywhere. But if you tell them your budget, they're going to figure out what, that you could do and do even more in it. What are people looking for in their homes? And that's when I go to real estate agents and ask them, what is everybody looking for? Is it open concept still? Um, so it kind of goes both ways, making sure you reach out both sides. Yeah, money is very important. So if your buyers already know that they're selling, it's very smart of them to plan ahead and let you know so that they can incorporate the changes over the next five years instead of being faced with upfront fees last second or losing out on some income that they could have made selling the house because no one really wants what they have. Absolutely. And that's a question any interior designer talking on or listening to this podcast, that's a question you should ask every single client. How long do you feel like you'll be in this home? Because that will determine how you design the house, um, how you go about and design, you know, the kitchen or the bathroom, those big ticket items in the home. Um, so you're not hurting them in the long run when they go out and sell the home. Networking is everything. That's what we believe at the Pocket Network. That's our entire business plan where we believe uh, there's so much power in networking that that's what's going to drive and completely help people innovate the career, their career, no matter where they are in the beginning stages or if they're an industry veteran. Absolutely. And, and as soon as you figure that out, that's when your um, career skyrockets. skyrockets. Yeah. Most people... They go into it and they're just like, I want to do this all myself. I don't want anybody's help. Um, and once you swallow the, your your pride on that and have actually invite the help in, you you get so much more connections, so many more clients from those connections. So I definitely yeah. 
everybody to think about that. Yeah, instead of uh, seeing people as competition, it's so much easier to build a, a team with those people. I've had, after that, I had a listing in Bell Canyon, and I wasn't familiar with that area as much as I should be. I knew about it, but of course, when you're listing a property, you need to know the school district, you yeah. know, what fire department, what police department, all their local law enforcement. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And um, I had to do the same thing. I had to research in order to give my client the optimal amount of um, exposure for the property. And I love that you said you called the sheriff's, the sheriff's department directly. I did. I love that because if it was for me, <laughs> if someone had asked me, I would have just Googled like um, Palmdale safety <laughs> and then looked at how it's ranked. But I'm sure that's de no, definitely not as accurate as what the sheriff's department can tell you. Yes. Yeah. So and I love that. Thank you. And all that information is available online. Yeah. But I did. Yeah, but you did the extra work. I did. Yeah, so that's why I think your clients are seeing this reflected. And uh, that's why you've been so successful in just six short months. Thank you. Being in this business, um, I started to rely on social media. And I didn't realize how effective it was. Yeah. Um, I actually sold a house on Instagram. It wow. was an off-market. And I had posted it on my stories. And um, I got a hit. It was a buyer. And he was interested. And I'm nowhere to be found. I'm not, I'm not in the area. So I sent a colleague of mine to assist the buyer, and they did. And everyone always asks me, what's one of your favorite stories? And my favorite story is I met my buyer after I opened escrow. And I did it on Instagram. I love it. Yeah. And I have a lot of uh, people who are following me, a lot of my clients um, who I've obtained through Instagram as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I found you on Instagram too, actually. Yes, yes. So definitely is something big because you've only been an agent for six months, but you've established a, a following and a, most importantly, uh, an active following. Do it's I not too? just any self, I mean, buyer that can afford that home. Yes. So what do you do? You hop into networking with people that are able to purchase a home that way. So what I've been doing is I've been going to brokers opens, you know, um, trying to gear myself toward higher end clientele, um, going to an open house that, you know, has a $75 million listing and trying to find buyers there or the listing agent who can bring me a buyer for this home. So when it comes to networking, you network everywhere because yeah. um, these people are in your pipeline. And you never know when your path will cross. But when you have a specific thing that you need to network for, um, I believe it's essential that you target that specifically. And that's what I've been doing here with this particular yeah. property. Yeah, and marketing, targeted marketing is one of the most important aspects. Definitely. Because if you might have amazing material content. Now, if you're marketing to someone who can't afford it, no matter how good you are, no matter <laughs> how much they want it, you're not going to make any money off of it. I think you can only fake it to be someone else for so long but after a while you can't you lose that momentum you know so i am this way with my clients uh the way that i am with you and the way that i am with everyone else so you have to establish yourself in a way where what's better than you so just be you and people yeah. notice that and um it's very important it's very important in the long run yeah, and realistically, once you do become the best, the number one, wherever you want to be, number one in U.S., whatever, worldwide, how do you want people to know you? Do they? Do you want them to know the real version of you or this fake persona that you've created? How long can you keep that up? How happy are you going to be? Now, if you can be authentically yourself and people love and respect you for that, that's a happy person. Yes. I don't believe there is a number one or there, you know, I want to be a number one. No, I just want to be happy. Yeah. And I think that that's been my motivating and driving force behind all of this. This was supposed to be for fun. And look what happened when you're having fun. Once you get into a habit of, you know, organizing your life, um, it becomes much more streamlined. So the way I help myself to create time is I streamline every process. So um, like my law practice is very streamlined and it's, it's primarily paperless. Okay. So everything is online. I can control everything online. Um, so, so you can work from anywhere. Right. And my teaching is also streamlined. I've created all my lecture notes. I know exactly what it's supposed to do, when the midterms are, and I give myself deadlines on when to grade. The school doesn't have deadlines for us, yeah. but I have a system in place that I'm like, I got to get these graded. I got to do this. So, And do you have an um, assistant for that, like a teacher's assistant? Um, I, I do, but I have a very difficult time delegating tasks. That's okay. a big uh, vice of mine. So the school does provide a graduate student that yeah. can assist, but my nature is to do everything myself. So I do it myself because I have to know that it's uh, done this way. 
Um, recently, um, California just passed a law where you can keep up to $600,000 of your equity in your house and still file bankruptcy. So let's say your house, let's say you have $50,000 of credit cards. Um, if you have a million dollar house and the loan is $400,000, there's $600,000 of equity in your house that's yeah. built up. That person with a million dollar house, which is probably like a one bedroom in Glendale, yeah. um, they can file bankruptcy, keep that million dollar house wow. because you're within the $600,000 uh, homestead exemption, yeah, and get rid of all your other debts. Um, more importantly, if there are any judgments that are recorded against your house, um, those can also be eliminated. She said that because she had a few kids and she was so successful, she had such an impressive resume. And when she was asked about work life balance, she says, The only answer I ever have to that is there is never a balance. She's like, yeah. The way I balance it is one week I might have to focus on my kids more because they need my support. Another week I might have to focus on my job more because that's where um, my energy is needed. So that's something to think about that right. you don't feel like a failure just because you feel like you haven't given family and your job. Right. equal amounts of attention that week you balance it in your own way thank you i'm now grateful to be here yeah thank you for that yeah just for that reason yeah. okay i will remember to give this analogy to every single podcast guest so they could come back i tell my real estate agent friends i say look before you close escrow please ask your clients um, hey, Margaret, have you been sued in the last 10 years? Maybe she'll say, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, Visa sued me. Go search to see if there's a judgment in her name. Because and it the, would be public information? It would be public information. Okay. And because the last thing you want is when you close escrow, you get a letter saying, congratulations on closing your house. Oh, by the way, there's now a judgment that's recorded. And yeah. the judgment earns 10% a year. Oh, wow. So, so in 10 years, it might be worth the value of your home. Right. It's, it's going to... It goes up exponentially. So nobody wants to wake up after escrow saying, oh, by the way, there's a judgment on your house. Yeah. So please check for judgments before you close escrow. If there is, uh, I recommend don't buy it in their name. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really important information. And thank you for sharing that. Every single person that you meet can open their own business from home. Right. Just from their phone. Using their phone, they don't even need a computer. Absolutely. They can have a supply chain within hours set up, just sending out a few emails to a few factories sure. based on a Google search. Absolutely. So the capabilities of technology are endless. And if yeah. we're able to apply something like Augmentecture sure. to our work, yeah. if you're doing it tomorrow, not today, yeah. you're too late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually for real estate professionals, you know, it is competitive. There is, There are yeah. no houses to sell. And if there is one, there's 1,000 real estate agents. You know, who's going to attract the next uh, resident for that property? And how are they going to attract? It's like in the olden days, you know, there was this term, I'm sure you're familiar, uh, companies have to generate leads. You know, there's lead generation. And then those leads turn into some potentials. Then those potentials turn into some sales. Right. You cannot call a thousand people anymore. That's decision sciences. That's decision making. Some of it is scientific. Some, most of it is not. It's experience, getting good at it. I saw a quote from um, uh, the ex-CEO of LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Oprah was talking to him. Okay. And, and then, uh, then she asked him, he said, what is the most difficult thing in your job? And he goes, by making critical decisions. And then she goes... How did you become good at it? And he says, by making wrong decisions. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to improve <laughs> at anything. So he says, you know, I'm being good now because yeah. I made a lot of wrong decisions. But nevertheless, I made them quick. So then they can make And it. the best part of that is the recovery and best what you do course, to yeah. adjust after that. Yeah. Not just keep making that wrong decision. Sure. If you look at the best companies or the best real estate agents, the best professionals, sure. they've made all of the mistakes you can think of and so much more. Mm -hmm. But what made them different, what yeah. differentiates them is the way they recovered and innovated their practices. Uh, you have to have a postmortem about everything you do. Even if you're successful in a company, you have to learn what happened that this yeah. worked out. So don't forget about those things and then do it for the next business. So it's about uh, making critical decisions. And I was surprised when I was uh, started teaching these classes a few years ago that there is a community of uh, decision sciences. There's a community called critical decision makers. There are books of this thick about how do you make a critical decision. And here I'm thinking, oh my God, the entire semester I have to read this book and go say something to the students. 
I realized quickly what is decision making is common sense at the core of it, right? You need data, yeah. you need intuition, you need judgment, uh, you need analytics, and you also need cultural sensitivity. The decisions we make today, that it has a global impact. I downloaded the app, I scanned the QR code, right. and I was able to figure out the app on my own without much guidance. So it's sure. very user-friendly, and it's something where um, it's not just between architects. So yeah. I'm thinking if I wanted to, uh, to develop my own property, sure. so whoever I'm hiring, right. if they are able to get me onto the property and right in front of me, through my phone, I'm able to see what they're going to build, what it'll look like. Absolutely. So I actually like it because maybe I'm asking for something because it's in at the moment. Correct. If I were to see it on my own property, whether it's on the first floor, second floor, maybe I won't like it as much. Correct. And it allows people like me without the inexperienced eye to be able to make these judgments before the development instead of uh, creating something and then breaking it down and making them redo it. That's a waste of time, money, and a lot of stress. Correct. Yeah, you actually explained it really well. I appreciate it. My number one uh, focus always has been and always will be, uh, will be my clients. And in our industry, in the real estate and mortgage, mortgage 101, anybody starts as a mortgage uh, um, uh, a planner, immediately the first thing they tell them is, oh, contact realtors. Uh, my thing immediately, I, I tell them, concentrate on your skills, concentrate on your uh, education, your knowledge, and then concentrate on your clients. That's my number one thing that I teach all the loan officers that have walked into my office. And uh, unfortunately, very few take that to the heart. Very few, because they're all, all about uh, glitz and glamour and all this social media nonsense that people put out there. And um, I don't compete with anybody. Uh, I am always and will always be my worst critic ever. And uh, I am my own competition. So let's just put it that way. And I don't look at anybody else as a competition, not just because, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm this. I always watched all these loan officers making, oh, it's a first time home buyer program. They make it sure sound they, like one thing. Yeah, but no, that's, that's yeah. not what it is. Uh, first time home buyer program on conventional loans. It's anybody that is, you know, you could purchase a house today, purchase another property three three months down the line mm -hmm. as your primary residence. If it's an upgrade, it, I mean, what's, What's, what does that mean? Like it's the same. It's the same uh, qualification process. It's the same guideline. There's no uh, down payment, uh, you know, uh, uh, discrepancy or none of that stuff. Only thing that considers the first time when it comes down to FHA loans. Okay. FHA is if you purchased it, you know, if you if you haven't purchased the property in three years, you're considered their first time home buyer. But it's FHA is a horrible loan altogether uh, because of the mortgage insurances on top and your front end, back end, and so on. And you cannot get out of mortgage insurances unless you refinance it. So that's that's another extra cost to the borrower. Me being as a, you know a mom, it's extremely important to be a, a you know a, a, an example for my kids as well and people need to understand that success um, it's not something uh, you know uh, it, it's it, it's not something that happens overnight okay uh, it, it needs nourishing it needs it needs, it needs care it needs self-care um, and um, um, me again being as a mom is extremely important for me to teach my kids that Things take good things in life, successful things in life take time, period. If something happens overnight, yeah, we go get excited, this and that, but it's a short term. That's not going to last. Yeah. So I think that's because, again, people don't have patience anymore. Everything is instant. When I started, I said the first thing that I said with the group of people that I was working at, I said, I'm not doing for clients. I'm not doing for likes. I'm not doing for any of that stuff. And, um, I know that, you know, the, the industry itself, like we have to be on social media, that's server leading. I need to have my presence there and I'm going to use my platform for things that are going to be good. I'm not just going to throw things out there just because people want to see that. Yeah. I'm going to say, and I'm going to talk about things that people don't, don't talk about. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what I did. And there was a lot of times where like, no, we need to do this. We need to do, I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to post. I have so much content that I didn't feel okay with. I didn't feel comfortable. Never seen an, a, a, you know, a, a, a daylight in order for them to be able to be in the public period. Um, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I did the work. 
I've, I've created them, but I didn't feel right about it. I said, it's not happening. Yeah, you it's know? not worth compromising your values for a quick lick. In order for me to reach that type of rental value, I'm gonna have to pour X amount into this property to be able to market it like that kind of house. Yeah. And those are the ones Depending that- Depending on what you're trying to charge. Yeah, those are the ones that usually, they'll rehab a property, they'll fill it up with the tenant. The tenant is gonna pay a really high amount. So then the cap rate goes up to like five, five and a half percent. And then they resell the property as a income producing property to another investor. So they do all the legwork, but then they get a big premium for, for doing that. Yeah. So You're gonna, it's you see that return. Yeah. You see that more in like the multi-units. Somebody buys a 12 unit complex. They eventually rehab the whole place. They all had window unit ACs. They install central heating and cooling in all of them. Um, you know, prefab kitchens and bathrooms and all of them, they fill it up with tenants that are paying more than they probably should be. And then now the building is producing a five and a half, six percent cap rate, which is high. You're not going to see yeah. that as often in the marketplace now. Um, but then somebody in Oklahoma sees that and they're like, I want to invest in that. That's a great return for my money. So they don't even come out and see it. They just look at the numbers. They're like, this makes sense to me. And then yeah. they invest a, a lot of my prospecting tends to go to clients that are, I don't want to say like elderly, but like people like in the baby boomer stage, okay. people that have owned properties for a while. And the main reason why I, I focus on them is especially if they don't have the money or the means to fix up their house, I don't want them to just sell. I tell them Compass has this platform where it's called concierge services, where we can give them a, a private loan of $75,000 and they have no interest, they have no fees, they have no payments for one year. There's no gimmicks to that or anything. It's literally, if you qualify, if you have equity in your property and you're somebody that is not, you know, you don't have a hundred mechanics liens on your house or something, we give you the money so that you can fix up your house. And the only thing that you have to do in return is let Compass sell your home. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of times people say, so you're probably gonna charge me an arm and a leg. And we say, no, our commission rate stays the same. So like, why would you do that then? And we tell them, like I was explaining earlier, if I could sell your house for a million dollars now mm -hmm. and by investing $75,000 into it, we could sell for 1.4 because you've, uh, you know, really rejuvenated all the parts of the property that uh, 75 all, can't always do that, but depending on the property, it could make it appealing enough where you can get enough bids to push it to that price. Then now my commission rate is based off of the 1.4. So yeah. I don't have to charge you more. I get rewarded by doing right by you, by getting you significantly more than you were going to get. It's not a end all be all necessity, yeah. but a team is like a steroid injection into your business because you are a cost to somebody else. Yeah, They want to see their return on their investment of you. So if you start in this industry and you're thinking, I want to do it all myself. I want to build my own name. I want to build my own team. No problem. That's totally fine. Go that path. But you're going to go a lot faster down that road if you join somebody, yeah. learn a few things, and then you go off on your own afterwards. I personally, it's, it's funny to say this, in 10 years, I'm still on a team. I've why is that on, funny to say? Because a lot of times there's, a, there's this notion that why don't you have your own team? And especially in the Armenian community, why don't you have your own brokerage? Oh, your own business, yeah. Exactly. But like there's that. one of those things where I don't want to wear every hat. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, it's like when I'm at home. It's not going to make you happy. 100%. I, I, so I, I can do roofing work. I've done roofing work. Yeah. I have a roofer that I'm going to be meeting with to start work on my house tomorrow. But why? Because if I focus on the things that I'm good at, I can pay him for his time and I'm worth more. It's the opportunity cost of what yeah. I'm doing. Same thing with the team. Not everybody is good at lead generation. They should learn it. They should be you know, very well versed in it, but not everyone's good at it. There's that old uh, saying that uh, if you want to move fast, go by yourself. Yeah. If you want to go far, go with others. That's a huge, that is a huge deal in this industry. If you want to build, Aaron Kerman is one of the like people that I look up to in this industry. He does over a billion dollars a sale. Last year, I think they did like 1.2 billion. Wow. He has like 50 agents on his team, maybe less because there's, it always fluctuates. Yeah. 
But it's one of those things. One percent of a billion is much more than a hundred percent of one million. Yeah, but you, they're not all going to get a piece of his business. But it's one of those things where they're learning from somebody that's truly amazing at what he does. Like the guy yeah. that I work with, Michael Dillsaver in Pasadena. The guy used to dominate that area, and a big part of why I like working with him is I started to notice like we work similar. Our mentalities are the same. Yeah, I want to work with somebody like-minded, and I want to work with somebody that goes at the same pace, cares about the clients as much as I do, all of that stuff. I could go somewhere that's faster paced, that produces more, that's all about the paycheck. But how long can you do that before you're like, this is it, I'm burning out. Yeah. Money's not always that important. It might be when you're really young, but once you know exactly who you are and what you want in your career, you're going to look past that. Yeah. It's like the that adage, you know, give a man a fish or teach a man how to fish. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like if you can learn how to source your own business, that's way more valuable than relying on somebody. Yeah. Welcome back. We're still here. We watched everything with you. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. We were laughing at some of those parts, especially knowing some of the behind the scenes, what was happening here. Um, and again, I feel like every single time it just reiterates small concepts that we feel like we may know, but maybe you're not, you're not uh, applying as much importance to it as you should. So really think on these topics, really see, ask yourself, how can I apply this one minute snippet to my career? That one minute could possibly change your life. That one minute can help you make your next sale. And reach out to all of these people. Some of these people, uh, they may seem like they're huge on social media and they, they might ignore you. And I can almost promise you that's not the case. If they see your message, of course, they'll, they'll be getting a lot of messages. If they see your message, they are some of the sweetest, most down-to-earth people. And their entire goal is to help everyone around them. Yeah, and just... Uh I just want to congratulate the Pocket Network on, on a very successful first season. I want to thank um, our co-founder, Ed. Yes. I want to thank um, one of our producers, Hakob Kazazian. Yes, thank you, too. And the effort that he put in, in helping us with the post-production. I want to thank our video editor, Hiraj Pilosian, uh, all the way from Armenia. So thank you so much for all your help and all the editing skills that you bring on board. We have an amazing lineup set up for season two. Season, yes. I'm really excited for season two. Me we're too. We're going to start off with a boom and we're going to continue uh, to kill it throughout the next uh, 15 episodes in season two. So I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. And as always, we really, really, really want to hear your advice, your input. What do you like? What don't you like? Help us. Tell us. Even if you hate something, we really want to know because we want to make this better for you. All of this, everything that we do, we, we, we plan these podcasts, these questions, everything around it with the listener in mind. We really truly have one thing in mind. These podcasts, all we want is for one of you to message us one day and say, I made a sale listening to podcast number whatever, 14, 15, 25. Hopefully we have more podcasts. And if you want to be on the podcast, reach out to us. We really, uh, our, our recruiting department is always looking for new talent, people that we want to highlight on the podcast. We want to pick into your brain and see what have you done, what works for you or what hasn't worked for you. So again, thank you everyone. I hope you've enjoyed everything as much as we have. And I hope it doesn't get annoying when we keep saying change begins at home because that's truly where change begins. All of our success, all of our failures, they start with us, they end with us. It's all up to you. No one's going to get up and do the work for you. So keep in mind, change begins at home.